Let's worship him. Come on, the name of the Lord is our strong tower. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I love that verse. It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous may run into it. And they are. I asked a question when I was thinking about that verse one time. When does righteousness begin? We all like to sing that part of the verse of that song. You know, we run into the name of the Lord. I believe that righteousness begins at repentance. Because repentance, by definition, is to turn away from. And what you're turning away from is a life of wickedness. And the opposite of wickedness is righteousness. And when you repent of your sins, you can't help but see the name of Jesus as the strong tower. That's where your salvation is. That's where your hope is. That's where everything is at. It's all in the name of Jesus. Amen. One more time, I want you to lift your hands, and I just want you to begin to entertain the presence of God. Come on, let's just worship him for just a few moments. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, students. Let's worship him just for a few moments in this house. of the Lord. Come on, that's it. Come on, let's get everything out of the way right now. Let's just create in ourselves a, an atmosphere that is ready for the word of the Lord. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I am glad to be here at the 10 a.m. session at TCYC. Are you glad to be here today? Amen. Amen. I give honor to Pastor Gilbert and Sister Ginger in this amazing host church. Amen. This place is very, very special to my wife and uh, myself. We love Truth Church, and we are thankful to be here. Aren't you thankful that they've opened their doors and created an atmosphere? Amen. My friend, Brother Caleb Herring, preached such a powerful word last night, and I am so excited to hear what Brother Burns is going to bring. And I know that Brother Houston and Brother Galloway and Brother Brown and Brother Marks are all going to bring powerful words of God. And I'm just thankful to be a small part of what God's going to do this week. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for the word of the Lord here today? Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 6. The book of Acts chapter 6. We're going to begin reading at verse number 1. I believe that the Lord has given me a very clear direction on where we're going to go here today. And I just want you to flow with me and let's just see what God would do. Is that all right? Does that sound all right here? If it's all right, shout amen. amen. The quickest way to get me out of your way is if you're responsive here today. If I got to work for a response, I'm going to have to feel like I got to take a little bit more time on each and every single point. But if you give me an amen, which is I agree, and we mix the word with faith, God can have his way in this session. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. 
Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. We are going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to ministry of the word. Let me give it to you in 2022 translation. We're going to pray and preach. Verse number five. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose someone, say Stephen. Stephen was a man that was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Verse number six. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And this is the purpose right here, that the word of God was increased. That the number of disciples was multiplying now in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. They were converting pastors is what they're saying. And Stephen, someone say Stephen. Full of faith and someone say power. That's what we talked about last night. The man of God preached to us about Holy Ghost and. He went from being full of faith and the Holy Ghost and now he's full of faith and. Because if you stay full of the Holy Ghost long enough, it's not long before power begins to work through you. And so he is now full of faith and. And Stephen, someone say Stephen. Stephen did great wonders and miracles among the people. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach to you on this subject. Until Stephen. Would you set your Bibles down and would you lift your hands and would you ask that God would have his will in his way? I really want you to pray. Come on, I want you to really lift your voice. Really lift your voice just for a few moments. Lord, we come before you. You have a divine will and a divine purpose for every student that is represented here, for every person that is represented here. We humble ourselves to your will and to your way. Come on, students, lift your voices. We pray that thy kingdom would come and that thy will would be done in this place exactly as it is in heaven. Lord, we submit our will, our agenda, our motive, and we just ask, oh God, that you would flow freely in this first session. Lord, speak to us clearly and divinely from heaven in this room. We need you to work in this room, God. We need a move of the Holy Ghost to just baptize us in this room today, Jesus. Come on, if you're hungry for God to move upon you in a special way, to speak to you directly, I want you to lift your voice and I just want you to begin to magnify him and worship him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. If you have a good attitude, you can be seated. Some of y'all lying in the house of the Lord. Amen. The first four words in our text here today puts everything into context of where we're going to try to go here. It begins in Acts chapter 1, I mean Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1, and it says, and in those days, somebody say in those days. The days that it is referring to are the days of apostolic revival. Now you have to understand that in those days that it's talking about 
the day of Pentecost that has happened, they say somewhere roughly between two and three years earlier, the initial outpouring of the Spirit of God has taken place. The 120 in the upper room have been filled. It was noised abroad and it went from there to about 3,000 people now that are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and so you have a church of somewhere around 3,120 people in the matter of just one day. That's revival. Then you go into Acts chapter 4 and after the healing of the lame man. Now you got to understand that this wasn't just any old random lame man. But if you read, it was actually a man that had been lame for somewhere over 40 years, the Bible says. This man receives his miracle and the Bible says that nearly 5,000 believe that day. And it doesn't just say 5,000 people, it says 5,000 men that day. And so if you put that in the same context of which we like to draw the conclusion of in the feeding of the 5,000, when it says 5,000 men, when Jesus fed the multitude, then roughly you could guess that at the time of prayer when that miracle took place and Peter and John began to preach after that miracle, that you could roughly guess that somewhere in one day, somewhere around 20,000 people, Believe the word of the Lord. That's some kind of revival. That's in those days. This Acts 2.38 message is being noised abroad. People are being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. People are being baptized in Jesus name. It's some kind of revival that they had so much faith in the man of God. That when Peter just walking by them in the streets. The Bible says if they could just get his shadow to go over the sick that the sick were being healed by just the shadow of Peter that's some kind of apostolic revival I believe that we are in a day right now students that any youth group that any church that wants to be experiencing divine apostolic revival can right now experience genuine apostolic revival I believe it's where we're at in the times that we are living in the man of God talked about it last night the urgency of the hour calls for us to have the kind of revival where it's not just one or two but it's true apostolic revival it's revival by multiplication where if two is the normal then four should be getting it or if four is the normal then eight should be getting it or if eight is the normal then 16 should be re that's the days that we are living in right now. So you have to understand that when you get to Acts chapter 6 and it's saying in those days, it's literally saying in the days of, of shaking revival. The days where people are getting the Holy Ghost. People are getting up out of wheelchairs. There is deaf ears being unstopped. Blinded eyes are being opened. And yet when you get to Acts chapter 6, I find something pretty peculiar. Because as you begin to progress through the book of Acts, and you look at Acts chapter 2 and verse number 43, the Bible says that the miracles were done by who? The apostles. 
Then you get to Acts chapter 5 and verse number 12. And it says, by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought. Now all of this is great. All of this is beautiful. Yes, it's the way it was being done. But it feels to me that the people that are being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost have forgotten the message of the Messiah when he spoke to them in Mark chapter 16 and some of his concluding words. And it is that you should go into all of the world and that these signs are going to follow them that believe. Someone say, that's me. Do you believe that that's you? He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, not me. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. That's not just talking about the apostles. That's talking about anybody and everybody that is interested in being used in apostolic anointing. It is, it is of my opinion that it's almost like the original 3,000 that heard it noised abroad in Acts chapter 2 have now forgotten the prophecy that came from Joel and echoed by Peter when he says in Acts 2 and 16, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your son, someone say, that's me. And your daughter, someone say, that's me. You're going to prophesy. Your young men are going to see visions. And your old men are going to dream dreams. And upon my servant and on my handmaidens, I will pour out those days of my spirit. And someone say, they shall prophesy. The release of Acts chapter 2 was trying to get the people to understand it's not just for the apostles. It's not just for Jesus. But there's trying to be a release from this moment where it doesn't just happen to the select few. But if you're hungry for it and you've got the gift of the Holy Ghost, then there's an apostolic release trying to take place for you. I love, I love our apostolic doctrine. And don't you dare misunderstand me. I believe you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. I believe one God. I believe you've got to be baptized and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. I believe in holiness and separation. I believe in these things with every fiber of my being. But I believe that we get so caught up in the continuing of Pentecostal calisthenics that we forget we're supposed to step before beyond just continuing in the apostles doctrine and activating the anointing that comes with the separation of the apostles doctrine Read your Bible. Read the book of Acts. Read all the way up until Acts chapter 6. Only the apostles are using what God has given them. Only the apostles are activating the anointing that comes with receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost until you get to a man by the name of Stephen. Someone say, until Stephen. When you get to Stephen, you get to a regular man. You get to a man that was not called into the UPCI board to receive his license. You get to a man that was called to one lofty high position serving the widow. 
The tables were being neglected by the apostles because they had a church of somewhere roughly, if you go to the low number, around 8,500, I think 80 people or 20 people, I forget. Or if you want to go to the high number and assume that there was more than just 5,000 men in Acts chapter 4 that believed the word and you want to go to 20,000, you've got a church of somewhere around 28,000 people. So the apostles are doing all that they know to do and the widows are being neglected and they're saying, well, what are we going to do now and they choose seven men of honest report that are full of the Holy Ghost and so they choose a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen gets elevated to the high and lofty position of getting to take care of widows and serve tables. Uh, let me put it to you in our typology and how we would word it. They had to make sure that the widows had enough money in their apple cash to door dash the widows, whatever they were needing at any point in time. They had to make sure the Starbucks white chocolate mocha non-fat extra hot yeah was delivered right on time. They had to make sure that the cheese danish was warmed up to the perfect degree. They had to... That's their calling. Stephen gets upgraded to the high and lofty position of cleaning the church so the apostles could preach and pray. Stephen gets upgraded to the high and lofty position of just taking care of the things that nobody else wanted to take care of. Friends, can I tell every student here something today? Whether you're the one who gets behind the pulpit and preaches the sermon, there's something for you to do in every service. There's something for you to do every day. Whether you're the one who gets to sing the solo in TCYC, you're the one who gets to play the drums or go ham on the Hammond, whether that's you or not, everybody in this place has got a role to fulfill in the kingdom of God. Whether you're the one who gets to stand and preach, whether you're the one who gets asked to teach the Bible study, whether you're the whatever your role may be, it's time for us to fulfill voids in the kingdom because it's more important that the revival progresses. Acts chapter 1, I'm just going to repeat what Caleb said last night. I'm sorry, Brother Herring said last night, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. There is a dunamis that tried to be released last night. There is an apostolic anointing that tried to be birthed last night. Uh, but it's so hard for us to activate what we are called to activate because we are caught in the rut and the routine of traditionalism. We go to church on Monday. I mean on Sunday and we're normal on Monday. We go to church on Wednesday and, and, and if we have something going on with the youth on Friday, we, we show up for youth service or the youth outing and we do the bare minimums never activating what God has called us to activate. Never using what God has called us to use but I have prayed for every young person today that before this first session is over before we go into another moment or into another session at TCYC that there would be a catalytic moment where apostolic young people quit just being pew warmers and they Activate the anointing that comes with the Holy Ghost. You watch the activation of Stephen until Stephen, nobody except for the apostles recorded in the book of Acts has laid hands on anybody. 
Until Stephen, only the apostles are the ones that are operating in apostolic authority. That's all that it shows recorded in the book of Acts. Until you get to Stephen. When you get to Stephen, it starts in Acts 3 and 6. They're looking for men of honest report that got Holy Ghost in wisdom. you got to be full of the Holy Ghost. Do I have any apostolic young people full of the Holy Ghost here today? Come on, I'm not talking about the, I mean you're full of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the kind of full of the Holy Ghost uh, where it's pressed down and it's shaken together. You've got the joy of the Lord pulsating through you. You know, this Holy Ghost is more than just goosebumps. You know that there's things called the fruit of the Spirit? Did you know that? Did you know that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're also supposed to get peace, love, temperance, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness. You're supposed to get these things that activate in you. Hear me, when you've got the Holy Ghost, it's not the will of God for you to live depressed and oppressed. It's not the will of God for you to be bound and afflicted. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you receive a power that is unlike any other power. You receive something that's unlike anything this world has to offer. Stephen is, someone say, full of the Holy Ghost. And when they find Stephen full of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that the saying pleased them. And then when you read about Stephen again, now he's not just full of the Holy Ghost, but he's a man that's full of the Holy Ghost and he's full of faith. Somebody say faith. Your faith matters. I said your faith matters. The enemy wants your faith as a matter of a fact. That's why when Peter and Jesus were having a conversation before he heads up to be crucified, he looks at Peter and says, don't worry, Peter, I pray that your faith fail you not. Your faith is important in these last days. That's why Jesus posed the question and said, will the Son of Man find faith here on earth when he returns? You've got to have faith for the journey. And I'll tell you what the Bible says, how you receive faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. You want to know how you're going to get faith? Is when you show up on Sunday service and you listen to the word of God. But guess what? When you wake up on Monday, this word is just as true on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. When the preacher's not preaching it, you can get daily bread. You've got to unlock the power of daily devotion. Hear me. It'll start as a discipline. Devotion starts as discipline. It's something you have to discipline yourself into doing, student. You're going to have to wake up early, and you're going to have to brush the sleepy out of your eye, and you're going to have to find a place of prayer, and you're going to have to get a hold of God, and it'll start as a discipline. You're going to have to learn how to open the Word of God. And let me tell you something. This Word is not ununderstandable for you. You can understand the Word of God. If we can understand everything that our generation is capable of understanding with technology and everything else that we have a very strong grasp on, I have a firm belief that if you give time to the Word, revelation will flow with this too. I believe you can teach Bible studies on the oneness of God if you get daily bread. I believe you can teach people why we are the way that we are. We worship exuberantly. Why? It's all right here in the Word of God. 
And it's unlocking the understanding of daily bread. The Bible says uh, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Uh, and when you have faith, you understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not seen. And so when you have faith and you're in school and all you see is negativity, doubt, and chaos, what a faith-filled person will say is, I know what my eyes say that they're seeing, but my faith says I see a harvest field. My faith says I see a hope of a revival. My faith says I will not be bound by the things these are bound by. I will not be locked up with the things that others are locked. You've got to unlock the power of faith in your life. Because if you have faith and you have the Holy Ghost, it's not long before you get the third thing that Stephen had. And the Bible says now not only is Stephen full of faith and Stephen full of the Holy Ghost, but now he's full of faith and power. Faith and power. Look at Acts chapter 6 and verse number 7. Because Stephen was willing to step up where others wouldn't, the Bible said, and the word of God increased. Uh, that's what needs to happen in our cities. They need to hear the word of the Lord. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Not followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. That's not talking about people that have just prayed through and have just been filled with the Holy Ghost and just been baptized. That's talking about people that have gone through the conversion process, that are working into becoming disciples like the apostles. That's what's happening. These men are unlocking their pastor to be able to go forward. And the Bible says, preach are now becoming obedient to the faith. I don't know about you, but I've heard quite a few times uh, that we're going to see churches converted uh, to what we believe, churches that don't believe this doctrine. It's not going to happen uh, until you unlock apostolic anointing. And so Stephen is now full of faith and power. Someone shout power. And Stephen uh, is the first, watch, the first out of all of the apostles uh, that is recorded in the book of Acts uh, to go lay hands on people. The Bible says, and Stephen uh, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen, a man that by our standards would not have been what we would call a licensed UPCI preacher. Read it. He wouldn't be what we would call. He was just a faithful man in the house of God. But when you stay faithful, full of the Holy Ghost, and you start letting the power of the Holy Ghost work through you, it's not long, student, before you're in school praying for people and they're getting the Holy Ghost. It's not long, young man, before you go home to your lost family uh, and they see the power of the Holy Ghost working through you it's not long before you're doing what God has called us to do until Stephen nobody did it and watch I realize that the boldness of Stephen got him stoned and you got to hear me it may cause you to be judged by other people in your youth group when you're willing to make the difference that nobody else is making when you're willing to make early morning prayer when everybody else in your youth group is not willing to make the sacrifice when you're willing to push the plate away and fast a day or two when everybody else says it's just not worth all of that when you're willing to go the distance they might judge you they might 
might say you're crazy. They might say, why in the world are you doing everything you're doing? But if you're willing to be the Stephen that is allowing the apostolic anointing to be unlocked in you, Watch Acts chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. At the time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Except who? Except for the ones that were going around in the original in Acts 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, laying hands on people, seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. They stay in Jerusalem. Go to Acts chapter 4. But those that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the word. So who went out preaching the word if the apostles were stuck in Jerusalem? The ones that were willing to allow apostolic anointing to be activated in them. Stephen may have been the first, but when one man was willing to step out and be used by God, he was the catalyst for the community that told every other student in the youth group, I'm going to be used by God. That told every other person in their church, I'm going to do something for the kingdom. You may have to take judgment. You may have to take ridicule. But you just might be the catalyst that unlocks your youth group. You just might be the catalyst that unlocks your section in the seeing divine apostolic revival. You ought to shout unto the Lord if you want it. You ought to praise God if you're hungry for it. Come on, don't get quiet. Worship Him. Worship Him. Come on, worship Him for just a moment. We know how to do one thing, stay in our rut and our routine. It's all we know how to do. We get in our comfortable places. We get in what we're used to, and we're not willing to step out of what we're used to. You see, we're caught in continuing. All we know how to do is continue to go to church, continue to go to Friday night youth service or Friday night youth outing. That's all we know how to do is continue. You know, when Elijah and Elisha, when there was ready for the mantle to be transferred from one prophet to the next, the Bible says that Elijah tries to put Elisha off when he comes to Bethel. And the Bible says that Elisha says, no, I'm going to continue with you. And then the Bible says that they come to Jericho and Elijah tells Elisha, I want you to stay here. You're not going with me. He says, no, I'm continuing with you. And then the Bible says that when they come to this side of Jordan, that Elijah tells Elisha, says, stay here. I'm going over there. I'm going somewhere different. I'm going across over here. And Elisha says, I will not leave you. Now, we've all heard this preached, but I saw something that I've never saw this morning studying 2 Kings 2 and 12. Elijah is now taken up. And the Bible says in 2 Kings 2 and 12, and Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. The first point that you've got to understand is that if you're going to walk in the anointing that God has called you to walk in, you first have to rid yourself of your previous identity watch 
We all want the greater anointing, but we want to take our past with us into our greater anointing. We all going to be the Elisha that tells Elijah, I just want a double portion of your anointing, but we're going to do just like the man of God said last night. We're going to let our pedigree get in the way. We're going to let our history get in the way. We're going to let what other people say about us get in the way. The first thing that Elisha did was, he said, if I'm going to be used by God in the manner of which he's calling me to be used in, I have to take off the garment I'm going to preach to a student right now. You better take off the garment that tells you you're not good enough. You better take off the mindset that tells you my daddy isn't a preacher. My mama isn't a singer. I don't have the right last name. I don't have what it takes to do what God's called. You better rid yourself of the garment that says mama was an alcoholic. Daddy was a has-been. This can't happen. Don't you know about my past? The first thing Elisha did, I got to take off what that says about me because I'm not what that says anymore. You're not who you used to be. You're blood-bought, born-again, heaven-bound believing students. And I refuse to let you define yourself by your history for another day. I tell you, I tell you one of the things I dislike is that we like to call new converts or, or people that are delivered from being an alcoholic, delivered from being a drug addict. We call them like this. You used to be a drug addict. You're an ex-drug addict. You're an ex-alcoholic. And that may work when it's out there in the world. But when you come out of the world and into the church, you are not an ex-drug addict. You are not an ex-alcoholic. You are not an ex-this, an ex-that. The Bible says you are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Therefore, old things are past away and all things become new you are not uh, what the world used to define you as uh, that's what the world says uh, Jesus says uh, you're good enough uh, Jesus says uh, you're enough uh, Jesus said my you are enough student uh, you are enough young man uh, you are enough young lady You've got to rid yourself of previous identity. And you watch Brother Burns when he comes to the water. Watch. So I know that this was my identity, but I don't have another coat, so this is also going to be the new mantle. Is that okay? You, because I don't want to do what I'm going to do to somebody else's coat. I'd rather beat up mine. So watch. Elisha takes his old coat off, and then coming down from heaven comes floating Elijah's mantle. Watch, he grabs it, and he's like, let's see if this thing works. And he goes on down the Jordan. Now, now I saw, again, I saw something that I don't think I've ever seen before. He walks to the bank of Jordan. Turn to uh, uh, verse, number, verse number 14 with me. He walks to the bank of Jordan. The Bible says, and he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters. Watch. This is what he does. These are the waters. He goes... And I believe nothing happened, Brother Gore. Read it. He took the mantle of Elijah and he smote the waters. And nothing happened. Because the next part says this. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And watch. And when he had someone say also. That means again. So the first time he just walks up and says, part. And they didn't part. But the second time, Brother Gilbert, he walks up and says, Wherefore is the God of Elijah? That's how we like to think that he said it. I think he kind of said it like this. Well, 
It worked for Elijah, so where's the God of Elijah at? I just tried smiting the waters the same way Elijah did, and it didn't work for me. But when he engaged the second time, the God of Elijah... What he proved in the moment uh, is that a mantle uh, is just a cloth uh, until you get the God uh, of the man uh, that wore the mantle. Let me tell you something. It's just, uh, we've got so many mantle chasers out there. I want this mantle. I want that mantle. I want their cloak. I want what they got. What they have is only what they have because they were willing to bow to their knee, fall on their face, get a hold of God, pray until the anointing. I'm all about a mantle. I want mantles. I want everybody's mantle. But bless God, the mantle only had the authority because what would happen is, is they would pour the anointing on the mantle, right? And when that anointing would run down, it would gather at the hem of the garment and it would just hold there. But anointing is only an anointing oil is only an Old Testament typology of New Testament Holy Ghost. Even the anointing in the Old Testament was just trying to tell you that oil is just oil until you know the God of the oil. I want to preach like they preach. I want to teach Bible studies like they teach Bible studies. I want the mantle of Billy Cole. I want the mantle of T.W. Barnes. I want the mantle of these great men of God. But the mantle is just a cloth until you learn how to get a hold of God. I'm here to preach something into you today. You got to learn how to pray. You got to learn how to intercede. You got to learn how to fall on your face in the midst of friends, in the midst of people, in the midst of everybody and say where's the God of my father where's the God of the previous generation I need the God that brought them here I need the God that endued them I need the God that anointed them let there be a release of revelation of who our God is let there be a release of relation with the king of glory let there be an anointing of the prayer room fall upon us oh there's something trying to be birthed right now Lift your voices and groan in the spirit. Lift your voices and intercede. Ranolobos.